When you said, should you beatbox, were you kidding? No, I was just thinking it'd be a fun way to start each episode. Okay, do you know how to beatbox? Not even. How about you whistle? Have you learned how to whistle as an adult yet? Ready? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Okay. I think it got worse. It did. What did I miss as a dad that makes it so that you can't whistle? Did we not spend enough time together? Did we not have enough of a catch? Maybe because do you know how hard it is for me to be an adult that can't whistle? Really? Oh, okay. No, I can you can whistle. No, I can whistle like a champ. But I can't snap. I snap like a kid. You snap like an idiot. <laughs> okay. With your this thing? Yeah. Wow. Do you need me to whistle more or are we ready to go? I would rather you not. Okay. Welcome back to The Mind, The Mirror, and Me. I am your host, Mackie Overbay, and I am joined again today by... That was positive. You can't even get mad. I no, like, I made it. I made it back. Exactly. Yeah. Woohoo. Woohoo. By licensed marriage and family therapist, certified mindful habit coach, writer, speaker, author. Okay. You don't have to do all those things. Blah, blah, blah. Tony Overbay. Hey, you um, know what's interesting though? I got an email from the publisher of my book and our audio book. And this is really funny because at first I thought it wasn't something to celebrate, but it's number 168. And they were saying, congratulations, but it's in the sexual health and recovery category. And apparently there's like 60,000 books in that category. Oh, then that's huge. I know. Then all of a sudden I was pumped. But at first I thought, hey, how about we don't call attention to a big old failure? Yeah, exactly. Let's go rub it in. No, but that's huge. I know. Congrats, Mr. Author Guy. Thank you. Okay. So it is September. And for anyone who doesn't know, September is Suicide Prevention Month, which is very important. Mm-hmm. And something that should probably be talked about all the time, every month, but it does at least have a whole month dedicated to it. That I feel like September 1st, it's like, I see a lot of posts that are yeah helpful tools, like awareness and all the things, which is awesome. So we are going to be talking about suicide today. So before we get into this episode any deeper, this your trigger warning of sorts, um, that we will be talking about suicide, mental illness that type of thing. Um, And I encourage you to try to stick around and try and stay and listen um, because we won't be going too heavy. But if these topics will ultimately do more damage than good for you, I get it. Go ahead. Okay. I was going to say, and I so appreciate the trigger warning as a mental health professional, but this is what's fascinating is there, there is data. And I'm looking over here to my right because I've got a study that talks about that there's a fear uh, the quote, you know, conducting a review of published literature, examining whether inquiring about suicide uh, induces suicidal ideation in adults and adolescents in the general and at-risk populations. So there's a, a fear that talking about it actually then will make it worse, but the mm-hmm. data shows the exact opposite. So being able to talk about it actually decreases the uh, risk of suicide. And so I think it's just one of those pop psychology myths where we don't want to bring it up because if we do, then all of a sudden somebody's going to say, wait a minute, what is this suicide thing? And, and it's, it's so a, not it's the case. Scary. Yeah. 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 But I appreciate so the trigger about. warning because I do right. think it, it's important for people to, to be aware of what For some people it is. Yeah. It can be really hard. But again, with that, please try to stay if you can. <laughs> yeah. That'd be- um, it'd be really. And again, it is a heavy topic. It is such an important topic. And I think that it is so important to talk about. And I read a few articles and one of the articles was 10 things that 
attempt survivors wanted people to know. And mm. one of the top things was that it's okay to say the word suicide yeah, and it's okay to talk about it and goes into that. Talking about it is actually a good thing it's a great and it doesn't thing. need to be something that there is an aspect of it where, yeah, you hear the word and it's kind of, Oh, you shouldn't have like brought that up. You shouldn't have said that yeah. when in reality it's important to talk about this is, this is suicide prevention awareness month. So we got to talk about it. We do. And in the initial intake paperwork of any therapist, when you're saying, talking about your confidentiality and that sort of thing, um, you'll usually then ask, Hey, have you had any suicidal thoughts or ideations? And it's funny, Mackie, cause I don't want to say here I am in appointment one and I'm not going to believe the person, but if somebody is saying I never, not even thought about it before, yeah. you, you almost think, oh, okay, this person doesn't really feel safe or comfortable maybe with me yet. Because uh, it's not that everybody has thought about necessarily carrying it out and has the plan. Thought, the thought, it, it's there. And I know we'll talk about that in a little bit. I want to talk about a thing called you know, inappropriate thought syndrome, which is a really yeah. fascinating thing. Yeah, but for sure. Definitely. It crosses people's minds. But I do think, because I remember my first time like going to a therapist when I was young and I remember reading those questions and being terrified and, um, yeah. and then even feeling like, well, I can't admit to that or I can't say that because then this is going to become a way bigger deal. Right. And that seems scary when it's like, no, if you need the help, you need the help. And that's a great thing, but yeah. it does feel very intimidating and it's scary to admit it because when you admit something, it makes it a little bit more real, you know, yeah. just scary feelings back it up. But anyways, <laughs> speaking of my first time going to therapy <laughs> to start this episode off, we're going to get a little bit personal because I've mentioned like bits and pieces of kind of my experience with depression and anxiety on this podcast, but then even if you are a virtual couch listener and you've been listening for a while, I've gone more in depth in some of the episodes I've done on the virtual couch with you. And then you're not looking for the validation, Mackie, but those episodes have been, I think I showed you one time that a couple of them are sitting up there in the top 20 out of 380 episodes and seven or 8 million downloads later, because people, number one, you're uh, an amazing person to listen to. But also that vulnerability, I think, really helps people. And I don't remember, right. but some of the, one of the first times you were on there, and I think I had forwarded you a couple of emails of people saying that they were able to have a conversation. I remember one in particular with her teenage daughter about mm -hmm. uh, anxiety, depression, and even some suicidal thoughts because of you talking about it. So there, there's our proof right there. Right. Which, yeah, I think that just goes to show that it is the vulnerability there and the ability to talk about it does do a lot of good. <laughs> Mm -hmm. as heavy as it can be. So I like that. I'm glad that it reached people in a way that was, that could be positive and helpful because that's the goal. Yeah. That's what we want from this. And that's a reason why I've chosen to be very vulnerable with my mental health experience. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> so just quick run through of my depression. I was like, diagnosed, which I hate that word. I feel like it's yeah. It sounds, it's, I don't know, it's, but I don't know what else to use because yeah. I was like, what else could I say? I feel like saying I was gifted with it. I, I was, <laughs> like, yeah, that, I was given. Like, that doesn't, that doesn't feel right, but diagnosed sounds scary, but technically that's what it is. It's, it is a mental illness, but I was somewhere between 13 and 15. So we're just going to say 14. I'm sure it was a gradual thing, but it felt very like overnight, all of a sudden life just felt different. <laughs> and I had the typical symptoms that you hear with depression, uh, you know, just sad, like overwhelming sadness, feeling down. And I remember just like, I finally understood the, how like getting out of bed was the hardest thing in the world, which if you haven't experienced depression, you maybe, mm. you know, you hear that and you're like, oh yeah, I want to sleep like five more minutes or whatever. Right. But it's, 
that's so not what it is when somebody dealing with depression is like, I cannot get out of bed. It really feels like this. I am a pile of bricks and my mind and body will not connect in a way that I can get out of it. And it's just, everything feels harder, you know, lack of purpose, motivation, all the things. I started feeling that. And again, I was like 14 or so. And you know, when you're 14, things are supposed to be fun and exciting and it's high school-ish time, all of that. And that's not what my life was feeling like because I didn't think my problems were supposed to be that big at the time, which was just scary and hard to navigate. Is that hard too? Because I don't want to dismiss and I almost want to say, and now looking back, do you see that those problems weren't that big of a deal, but they were the problems you were having and they felt the way that they felt. I mean, did they feel at yeah. that time insurmountable, even though they oh, were- end of, Yeah. End yeah. of the world. So big. I still deal with some of these symptoms you know, in different ways, mm. but yeah, it did feel really big and really- scary. And I just couldn't get myself to care about anything really. And I feel like a way to explain it. It's just, at least in my experience, my depression was feeling like just the saddest and darkest I possibly could, but at the same time feeling so numb, Mm -hmm. like simultaneously. And so it is, it's just such a, it's a hard thing to navigate and try to live your life with. But anyways, so started that and then my anxiety kicked into full gear a couple years after that, which looking back at that, turns out I've been anxious my whole life. When we were kids, we'd go play hide and seek outside okay. in the court, right? My greatest fear, my biggest nightmare, the worst thing that ever happened to me every oh. single time. And I didn't know that. I was like, why is no one else freaking out? Like, why is nobody so worried that someone's going to hide behind that bush and never come back? And it's like, really? Oh, I see, Max. Yeah. Oh, and I didn't know it was anxiety because I was little, but... I've been anxious my whole life, <laughs> yeah. but really like, kicked into full gear when I was like 16 or 17. But anyways, so started my mental health journey fairly early and I've oh, now been dealing with all of it for a long time <laughs> and it's not easy. It's not easy by any means. And it's so real. I think that's, you know, I've had, especially like conversations with clients where they, they felt like in their lives, it was maybe something that they struggled with, but if they ever mentioned it to parents or friends or anything, people are just kind of like, oh, it's not really that it's not a real thing. Or you don't need to go to therapy or you don't need to get medicated or you don't need to, you know, X, Y, Z. It's it's just in your head. It's not a real thing. You're fine. You're just a little sad. Um, And so if that has been your experience in life, I'm so sorry. It is a real thing. Mental illness is a very real thing. And I think we talked about this on the how to talk to your adult kids episode on the virtual couch, Mm -hmm. which I think I'll put the the yeah. link to that one in the show notes, because yeah. you did a great job of talking about, you know, and we talked about sometimes a parent that makes them uncomfortable if their kid is mm-hmm. down. And so even a well-meaning parent says, Hey, it's not as big of, it's not that big of a deal. And it, you're going to get over it and don't worry about it. And all those chestnuts that don't do anything for you, but then they say, okay, good talk. But then do you just feel, well, can I can't mention this. Exactly. I do think, yeah, even if it's the best of intentions, I think that's sometimes the experience which is hard. And again, why it's important to be vulnerable, <laughs> talk about things and be able to communicate and open up about the things that aren't easy to talk about. So I started this mental health journey a long time ago, and there have been some you know, really dark times and some really good times and really okay times and everything in between. But I think it was two years ago, I posted something vulnerable. And so I'm just going to mention that a couple times through this episode, mm-hmm. but um, it was in September I believe it was two years ago. And I just started off by saying, couldn't let this very important month go without a very long and feelings filled post ahead. 
a few years ago, I felt like I had put up a solid fight against my depression and anxiety. I was medicated, had been to therapy, focused on exercise, taught myself new instruments, new skills, turned to God, tried it all, and I was done, constantly pleading with God for an out. Um, and I'm going to stop there, and we'll circle back to that. Um, okay. And so we're going to talk about statistics for a second, some suicide statistics. Um, that are heavy. In 2022, 49,449 Americans lost their lives to suicide. But then looking worldwide, um, that number is about 703,000 people every year. Um, it is the third leading cause of death for ages 15 to 24, um, the 11th cause of death overall in the U.S. Every day, approximately 132 Americans die by suicide, which is one suicide death every 10.9 minutes. And there's one suicide death for every estimated 25 attempts. So of that, right, there are 49,000 suicides, but there are a million, over a million annual attempts um, in the U.S., which is one attempt every 26.2 seconds. Wow. This is a huge thing. And the numbers keep growing every year. Like 2022 was... It was like a huge jump from 2021. Hmm. Just, it's a big, heavy thing and it's a serious thing. But then to not stay on the heavy stuff for too long, um, we're going to go into talking about the Golden Gate Bridge. But I was reading an article that said that all 29 people who survived their suicide attempts off of San Francisco's Golden Gate Bridge have said they regretted their decision as soon as they jumped. Like immediately. That's pretty incredible to think the people that, and the people that survived, I mean, that was not their their goal going in. Yeah. No. And that the second they took action, regretted it. And I don't know what year that was from. So I don't know what that number is right this very second, but Mm -hmm. one survivor that I think some people have heard of, um, his name is Kevin Hines. And, and I think you talked about him. I had a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. It was a couple of years ago, I think, but yeah. Yeah. It was like 23 years ago now, um, Kevin attempted suicide from the Golden Gate Bridge and survived, which is very rare. And he has then gone on to like do amazing things and share his story and be super vulnerable, share this you know, incredible message and bring a lot of awareness. Um, and if you haven't watched any interviews or podcast episodes or anything like that with him, I highly recommend that you do because it is, I mean, every time he like pops up on my feed anywhere. I watch every time and I cry every time. But I was listening to a, it was like a clip from a podcast that came up, I think on TikTok. And I'm just going to read a little bit of what he said about his story. I'm just going to talk like the morning of his, his attempt. And he said that he took a bus to the golden gate, crying the entire time, um, begging myself to tell the one man who loved me the most in the world on the phone, which he's talking about his dad, um, that I was sick. I needed help, but I couldn't because as I was wanting to tell someone of my pain, the voices were screaming in my head that I had to die. And it wasn't so much that I wanted to die. I believed I had to, what do you do when that happens? And you've never experienced it before. And you feel you have no one to talk to about it. It led me to be on that rail. Um, the voices won that day and where 2000 people have died, I got to live. And I'm grateful for every millisecond I get to walk and breathe because I almost couldn't. I hit that water 225 feet, 25 stories, 75 miles an hour in four seconds. You hit that water. I temporarily lost use of my legs and went down 70 feet below the water surface. And I opened my eyes and all I wanted to do was live. I swam 70 feet with one breath without the use of my legs as fast as I could thinking the entire time. If I die here, no one will ever know I didn't want to. 
Which that part like oh that kills me. Gotta cry. Yeah. yeah. But first cry on the podcast. <laughs> but just that part that no one will ever know I didn't want to. I if I die here, no one will know I didn't want to. Let's not cry. Oh, I think um, somebody's cutting some onions in my office. <laughs> my my too. <laughs> yeah. Um but anyways, he then he goes on with his story and it's like this just crazy incredible thing. He you know, he gets to the surface and he can't stay afloat. Like boots are filling with water. He just, he can't keep himself above the water. And he's, so he's, this is it. And then he notices something swimming around him. And he's like, I survived now jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge, but a shark is going to eat me now. Right. So he's like, that's all that's going through his head. And then before he knows it, this animal is like below, bouncing him up to the surface of the water and keeping him afloat until the Coast Guard is able to come. And then I think he said, I don't know if it was like years later, shortly after, but. He ended up, when he was talking about this, he ended up talking about it. And the guy that had been next to him on the bridge before he jumped happened to be watching this interview or whatever it was that he did. And the person like called in and said, Kevin, that wasn't a shark. That was a sea lion. Uh-huh. And he was like, I was standing right next to you. And it's like haunted me all this stuff. Like I've wanted to know, no one would tell me if you lived or died and, you know, just been waiting to like hear this or whatever. But crazy story. I have a quote from his website and it says, yeah, he said he suffered serious injuries, but his life was saved by a black seal swimming below him. And he later attributed the seal's presence as a sign from God. Wow. I know, right? That's crazy. So crazy story. Um, incredible that he survived and then incredible that he went on to, you know, get the help that was not easy. And then, you know, went on to be so vulnerable and continues to share his story and bring awareness but again, I just, I always come back to that. If I die here, no one will ever know I didn't yeah. want to. And that just runs through my head all the time. It's a story I can never get over. But I think it speaks a lot to, you know, because you hear the statistic or the thing that all the survivors said they regretted it immediately. But to hear like the firsthand account of somebody that did attempt, yeah. you know, you don't, I mean, you don't hear that a lot. And it's not something that people talk about a lot or feel comfortable talking about a lot. And so I think to, there's just something so powerful about the vulnerability there and hearing like that that's, you know, he true in that moment, really, I just, I want to live. Like I didn't want it. I didn't need to do this. This wasn't the solution, even though it felt like it was right. Like he's saying yeah. this, I felt like I had to do it. And then to circle back around and be like, I, I didn't have to, yeah. or that that wasn't the only answer I think is huge. But then, okay. So back to my Instagram post that I was reading then I went on to say, um, fast forward a few more years and a whole lot of important experiences, active choices to stay, and some really hard days to now being grateful for each and every day I get, person I meet, and opportunity I have. It wasn't an overnight change and it was nowhere easy. I still battled depression and anxiety and some unhealthy coping habits I picked up along the way daily. It didn't just completely disappear, um, but with time and hope and patience with myself, I've created a life for myself that I'd actually like to stick around for. As hard as it's been and continues to be, I couldn't be more grateful for all of the things I've learned from my hardest days. Um, the majority of life can be really heavy. There will be days that feel impossible. We're all a little bit broken in one way or another, but that's part of this life. We can choose to try to heal, to strive for love and for happiness. We can choose to be the best versions of ourselves. We can choose to stay, to fight, and live. And I can confidently say since that post two years ago, there have been more hard days and there have been more good days. And more experiences. There've been highs and lows. And now I think that is life right there. It gets dark and it gets scary and feels impossible, but there is more Mm -hmm. and there is help 
and no feeling is final. I think is such a yeah. big thing. The, the feelings we have, they aren't going to be there forever. But yeah, so there's just new struggles, old struggles, things that are hard. And then I wanted to say, which I've said this kind of concept in multiple posts and episodes and whatever, but just please believe me when I say that there are still so many days and nights to live, adventures to experience, kisses and smiles, animals to pet, risks worth taking, people to meet, books to read, stories to write, songs to sing, pictures to take, and a million other things. Because there is, there's so much more and there is help and there are ways to make it okay and to make the dark times a little bit less dark, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which, I mean, I feel like this goes into your emotional baseline theory, which we brought up a little bit more in depth in our last episode. But I think it's such a great thing to understand because even when you are in the darkest moments, if you can understand the concept of the baseline theory, I feel like it helps with feeling like there is more than just one solution. Yeah. So please speak to that. Okay. I I wanted to tell you what I'm resisting doing is when you said more animals to pet, I want to ask you about your experience over the last week with an animal in your apartment that you thought was going to be amazing. And it ended up being amazing. It was amazing, but I cleaned up a lot of poop. Okay. Because I was going to pull up a text where we were supposed to be working on a podcast. And I think you mentioned cleaning. Do I say it? Go for it. You said, okay. After a pile of wet turds on the floor, multiple potty breaks for the dog, not me, so many bites to the hands, and iPad, and laptop, also from the dog, and not me, finally finished editing. So what do you need from me next? And then you had to send a follow-up text that said, and just to clarify again, the wet turds were also from the dog, and not me, because I was curious about that. I figured you might just assume it was me, so I had to clarify. But yeah, I did. I was babysitting a puppy, a brand new puppy. And that puppy can poop. Yeah, I can. I'll tell you that. Um, but yeah, so that was, you know, getting to pet the puppy and cuddle with the puppy and play with the puppy wonderful. were amazing. Wonderful. Incredible. A puppy I'm so glad I got to stick around guys, to pet. <laughs> yeah, I think I could pull a nice therapy life lesson there and even say after day one, because you were just saying, as soon as I babysit this puppy, then I'm ready to buy 10 dogs. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah. And then yeah. after night one, you were saying, I don't know. I just, I had some puncture wounds in the leg from some teeth and that, that dog had to go out pretty much every hour and I live on the fourth floor. Yeah. Yes. It's a lot of stairs <laughs> and it's a lot of, it's a lot of scoop and poop up in a bag with your hand. Yeah. But you eventually grew to love the dog and you became yeah, best absolutely. friends. Absolutely. Yeah. We did become best friends. So yeah, I'm sure I will get a dog at some point. No rush. <laughs> okay. Oh, all right. So yeah, we talked a little bit about emotional baseline theory and maybe I can do the brain as a don't get killed device because this is one yes. that I feel so confident about this. And when I've recorded a couple of things on, on my my uh, podcast or YouTube channel about this, I make sure and mention I do not have data to back this up. So this is a me theory, but I feel very confident about this. Mm-hmm. And, and that is that over in the world of acceptance and commitment therapy, my very favorite therapeutic modality, um, there is a concept of the brain as a don't get killed device that I think it's just is a game changer because in essence, your brain is smart as we think it is. And I think this is a good point to know it, it isn't as smart as we think it is. And so your brain thinks that it's working off of this finite amount of electrical activity. And that's why that everything that our brain is trying to do is chill. So that's why we create habits and your brain wants to habitualize everything. There's even a little part in the brain called the basal ganglia that it, when you can get something in there, tying your shoes or even thinking negative thoughts, 
your brain's like, this is what we're doing. And we don't need as much electrical activity. So it's trying to habitualize everything. And then when you want to do something new, you might even say, okay, I want to start training for a marathon and your brain will throw a little bit of a a dopamine dump there and we'll go, sounds kind of cool. But then you're like, you know, but I, I'll do it later. I'm not even sure if I have the shoes and I'm not sure what days to train. Marathons are kind of long. I've heard it hurts your knees. And then before you know it, then we're not doing anything. And then your brain's kind of like, Ooh, that fool almost went out and started training. Right, for something. Like, oh, that was a close one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. And if we change something, we might have a heart attack. We might get hit by a car. You know, we might die. So your brain's whole game is to say, no, let's not do it. <laughs> no, that's okay. Right. But then now we go into the world of trauma and there's an amazing book called the body keeps the score, which is also kind of saying that you're part of your body wanting it. You're in this constant state of you want to chill. You don't want to waste electrical activity, but you also kind of want to live. And we're, we've evolved to these creatures that if we were just sitting around, we're going to get eaten by the saber toothed tiger. So then we also kind of need to do something. So we're in this constant battle. So then your body will eventually say, I got to do something. But then your brain saying, we'll do it later. And, and it can start I'm to feel right here. Yeah. And it can start to feel icky. And then if you're in a relationship that maybe isn't healthy or you're in a job that you don't like, or you're just not living the life that you want to be living, that's where your brain says, okay, I'm trying. And then it'll say, how about we throw some anxiety at you? And so then, because we're going to be a little anxious, then anxiety was initially a thing to warn us so that we would make sure we're always on guard. Right, from, to keep us safe. Yeah, to keep us safe. And then, and now we're always going to be doing, I got to be working on my weapons. I got to be like chasing down stuff, wood to burn and little animals to play with and eat and all these things. So we got to be doing, but I got to be, I got to be anxious because what if around the corner is a big animal that wants to eat me? Right. Right. But Starting so then, out potentially is a good thing. Exactly. Then. So now anxiety is saying, hey, how about you do something you actually like so you can enjoy yourself? And then your brain's saying, no, not, not, not now. And so then if you don't do something eventually, then it says, okay, let's try a little depression. You know what? Um, let's Maybe we need to sleep this one off because maybe you will be ready actually tomorrow. So it's fallen for that one. And then after that, then it, and then it moves slowly into the, and when I have clients talk about this, it, they say, I don't even want to tell you this next part. And I, in my mind, I'm like, are you at the, I don't want to kill myself, but if I walk out the door and get hit by a meteor, that would be cool. You know? And then they're like, yeah, that, yeah, that's exactly. that, that, right. Yeah. And, and so then I say, okay, no, that's, it's normal. And so then the brain says, okay, maybe this will get this person to do something. But meanwhile, this is where I talk about your emotional baseline or what it feels like to be you starts to get less and lower and lower. And so those tools you need, mindfulness, reaching out to friends, going on a run, petting a dog, they're getting further and further away. You're sinking down, your emotional baseline is lowering, and you sometimes can't even reach the tools. So then your brain says, I don't know what else to do. So, okay, how about you? How about you want to kill yourself? But now your baseline's so low, you're like, what? Oh, I okay, I guess... And that's why because I appreciate what yeah. Kevin Hines yeah, said, I mean, right? That's what I said, like, where the, yeah. And, and it is then like, you can't even see the tools anymore. Like, it's hard to even mm-hmm. acknowledge that they were there at any point exactly. when it does get that low, where it is just kind of like, well, this is all I know now. And yeah. so this is, yeah. So then I think it is so easy for your brain to then just go, well, I don't have anything for you. Then no, I've got one that. option for you. Yeah. So that's why I feel like that, that example of what Kevin Hines talks about is just so mind blowing. And it makes so much sense to me as somebody that has sat with many people who say, I don't know what to do. And I don't think there's anything I can do. And then what it, it isn't like now they go immediately run the marathon, but if they start 
going, walk. I remember one of the first clients I had that would, I actually bought him an egg timer, if you know what that is. And we, he, it could set up for an hour and he would literally sit around his apartment and do nothing. And then when it would go ding, he would get up and go make it another hour and then sit down. I mean, that was doing something. And then it went from that to then doing a lap around the apartment building to then, you know, and it really, and then I want to say, and now he's a congressman. It isn't quite like that. <laughs> But then eventually he got up, started walking around. He went and volunteered, cooked one day a week at a, um, like a old person's place. And then, and now, now is, has a job and is married. And isn't that crazy? Well, it's crazy. And, and yeah, I think it goes back to some things we've talked about previously, but the idea that the little things are really the mm-hmm. biggest and that it is like it in those moments. Yes. It's, which I think people, it's so easy to then get in your head and discredit something, right? Yeah. Like discredit just turning the egg timer or whatever. But when you are in that space where you are at your lowest and you cannot see or reach the tools and you can't, yeah. you don't know what to do, that little tiny thing that you're doing is huge and is something you should acknowledge and be proud of and keep working on. And yeah, it's like, even if that, that turns into just taking a shower yeah, well, or absolutely. whatever that little thing is. Or for me, I remember when I was doing it, like I, I turned it into this, I'm just going to put some makeup on. And that was like my thing that I would make myself do every day, regardless whether I was going somewhere or not, but it was a thing that I liked to do. And it was like just 10 minutes that I would set aside that I was like, you're going to do this. And sometimes that was all I did the whole day. Like sometimes that was it, but it is those tiny little things that then are going to, yeah. Like you said, grow into bigger things yeah. where it is. And it bumped that baseline up. Yeah. Better. Yeah. And the baseline where goes up a little more, can, a little more. Yeah. Yeah. And you can then maybe see the tools. And then if you keep working on it, then you can maybe reach one. And then it just, you know, you keep going up from there. And then I think though, sometimes things happen and life gets hard again. And maybe you sink down a little bit more again. Mm-hmm. But when you know, your body keeping the score and everything, you've done it before and you've gotten yourself yeah. up before. And so to some extent, you can, even if it's, you have to dig really deep. <laughs> it's really hard to find that, but you know, you can, because you've done it before and you know, you can, because you've made it this far. Yeah. You've survived every single time. That I know that, that I think we'd said this before, but every now and again, if you were calling and you were, you're getting up in them feelings and you would say, I don't think I can breathe. And I'm like, Mackie, you've been doing it great your yeah. whole life. Yeah. Right. Which again, most frustrating thing to hear in the moment, but how dare you? Oh, hey, right. can I ask you this? Do you, did you ever see the book that we have up in our upstairs bathroom called make your bed? Yes. I bought mom a cop. That's I bought that book. Did you? Okay. For mom, because okay. she always tells me to make my bed and I never uh, do. Okay. But she always tells out me my to. joke. I was going to say, Oh, you have seen it. Interesting. Have you read it? No, but, I've read the cover. Okay. okay Cause <laughs> listen to this. You want to know like first world problem um, or this yeah. is how I was like a real pioneer over the weekend. Cause I forgot to bring my phone upstairs when I was going to go to the bathroom. So I had to read a book and that was, I didn't even know you could do that. I know. I kind of forgot too. And that was the book, but it really did make me think about, it really is about what's it made me think of my emotional baseline theory. Cause that Admiral um, make your bed then said, yeah, if you start making your bed, then you have started the day off well. And I'm not a fan of making my bed either. I've been married to your mom 32 years and I still, I really don't understand the order of which pillows go where. Mm-hmm. I, and She's I don't got a system. Yeah. 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 But I should, I mean, there's like, I don't know, six pillows or something and I still don't know which ones go in what order. And I think it's almost like uh-huh. my brain, that's my brain you know, kind of staying active and uh, like some mental gymnastics. What's it going to be? <laughs> right. But I got it from that book that it really is about doing that, starting something off in the day. Like you say, shower, or I, I have clients yeah, that will something say something small. 
yeah. get dressed and get out of bed, get dressed, shower. Yeah, put that was my, on. do my makeup. Yeah, just that, that little thing. And I, yeah, it does then grow into bigger things because then maybe you get to a point where then in the morning you're able to shower and get dressed and do your makeup and then maybe do your hair. Not you, but other people. But okay. well, I, it came, hey, it just came out and I realized you don't have any. When Sydney and I were filming a murder on the couch on Monday, she powdered my head. Did you know that? How yeah. did that feel? For the shine. It felt fine. Did it didn't f- do anything. No, the shine oh. still plowed through. So I wish I had hair is my whole point at that point. I might get my hair hat back out for on days that we record. Please don't. <laughs> That's a nightmare. Okay. But yeah, I think it's the little things. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've gone more into depth on that topic before. But I think if you are right now feeling very down or very yeah. low or... Like you just, you don't know what to do next. I, yeah, I love just the concept of just pick something small. Yeah. Like genuinely pick something so small as that is your focus and work on that until, you know, kind of feel comfortable with, okay, I can do that. And then add the next thing and then add the next thing, you know, and just, and build on that. But then also know that help is a good thing. Yeah. It's, it's a scary thing, but it really is it is a good thing and it's okay. Uh, There's nothing wrong with asking for help. It's hard and it doesn't always feel good to initially have to ask. But once you get the process started, it usually is just kind of a relief and can just bring in some hope, which a little bit of hope goes a long way (laughs) in terms of emotional baseline, mental health. Can I throw out a couple of just, I just was reminded a couple of tools that I think might be interesting to get. I would love your take on one of these is because yeah. I think when people have those thoughts, then oftentimes they do, if they have suicidal thoughts or um, they think, okay, they do the old, what's wrong with me. And then they say the, okay, I just need to not think about it. And I feel like that those, and I know we've talked a little bit about this in a different context, but the first thing is nothing is wrong with you. And there's even a thing, if you want the nerdy psychology name of it, um, it's called the ironic process theory, but it's also known as um, unwanted thought syndrome. And that is, I love talking about that one because that one just says we all have crazy thoughts, inappropriate thoughts, you name it, horrific thoughts. And that's the first tenet of this unwanted thought syndrome. The second one is that just because you have the thoughts does not mean that you are bad. It does not mean that you're going to do it. And this is, I think we've talked before about one of my main go-tos is if I'm up on a high building, my first thought is, oh, I could totally jump. And then I get the jelly legs and my tummy gets all weird. And, and it's just a thought. And we have all kinds of thoughts. And then the third tenet of unwanted thought syndrome is, so it's like everybody has them. Um, even if they're suicidal thoughts or whatever it is, or you name it. And then just because we have them doesn't mean that anything's wrong with us. But the third one is, and thought suppression does not work because if you're telling yourself, okay, I know I need to not think it. Okay. We'll try that again. Mackie, do not think of a green polar bear right now. And do not think of him wearing a yellow top hat and do not think of him wearing a monocle. Oh no, now sunglasses. And he is not carrying a baseball bat and he is not on a unicycle. Do not think of any of those things. Were you successful? No, you just painted quite the image. Thank you. Yeah. But so I think that's so important. So if you are having these thoughts, then check that out. I'm noticing that I'm having them. And I can also notice that I am having a thought of holding my hand really odd right now. And I'm having a thought. It's very strange. It is. And I'm having a thought that I'm kind of hungry. And I'm having a thought that it's just like so cool doing a podcast with you. And so that's just one of the many thoughts. So get back to the old, hey, you're a human being and you think. Like, that's kind of cool. You have a brain. You have a brain and you're going to think. And yeah. it'd be weird if you didn't think. It really would. If you would. had no thoughts, that'd be concerning. So, it is, yeah, it's you're just having thoughts. And that doesn't 
it doesn't define who you are. It doesn't make you a certain way. It doesn't, it literally doesn't really mean anything because we do just constantly have passing thoughts. I mean, there's so much stuff that goes into the brain and all the things that it does and how many thoughts there are and how many subconscious thoughts there are. And it's just, it's huge. And so, yeah, you're going to have thoughts, but it doesn't mean that you have to do everything you're thinking of, No, which yeah, is a huge thing to acknowledge because it does, you have the negative thought or you have the scary thought, um, especially I think with suicidal ideation type of stuff, Mm -hmm. you do, you have one of those scary negative thoughts and then all of a sudden it's so easy to just spiral and just go, Mm -hmm. oh, well, if I thought this one thing, the meteor hit me or whatever, whatever that, that type of thing is, it's so easy to take that and go, oh, is that really, is that how I'm feeling? And then I think you mix in the, your brain, you know, your brains that don't get killed device and you put it all together. And then it is just this huge spiral and this huge, just, you know, this is it. And now there's one option and I can't come back from this, which is just, again, when you break it down like that, it's just a thought. It is. Even just a feeling, you know, even if, you know, it is a feeling, but again, no feeling is final and a feeling doesn't define everything that you are, everything that your life has to be. I'll give a very quick thing too. I like that you said a minute ago, you can't not think. And, uh, and if I can make a plug for a day, a daily practice of mindfulness would be an amazing thing right now too. And, and I think the number one error when people think about mindfulness or they hear about meditation is they say, my mind's going a million miles an hour. I can't clear my mind. I can't get rid of my thoughts. And that's because that's not the goal. But the goal of meditation and mindfulness is if I am doing some sort of breathe in through my nose, out through my mouth thing, um, I am thinking about breathing and I'm not thinking about thinking. So I'm not stopping thinking, but if I notice I'm starting to think some pretty crazy things, now I can just notice those thoughts and come right back to in through the nose and out through the mouth. And meanwhile, it lowers my heart rate. And if it lowers my heart rate, it gets rid of my stress hormone cortisol in my brain. And the stress hormone cortisol is what starts to activate the fight or flight response. And a practice of meditation and mindfulness is not trying to clear your brain, but it's like training your brain to just have a whole different relationship with thoughts, to be able to sit back and just watch those thoughts. And that's a very powerful tool. Yeah. No, I and I think that is just the beauty of mindfulness. It really is. It's just, and again, we haven't talked about this, but it is, it's just like a couple minutes even just spent Mm -hmm. with you working on Mm -hmm. you in a very subtle way, in a very simple way, in a very doable way. Because yeah, it isn't like if you do a guided meditation, there's always, they always say things like, you know, notice the thoughts, but Hey, come back to the breath. And it's like, they always validate. Yeah. But they always validate the if you notice you're you know, thinking about this, if you notice you're going away, it's, it's always noted because that's a normal thing to do. It's a normal yes. thing to have the thoughts. But yeah, it just, then it's like, okay, now circle back. <laughs> notice, you know, what you're feeling and breathe. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, mindfulness is a great one, even if it's like, I mean, I'm so bad at consistency with it, but I'll just do the occasional like five minute one and just, uh-huh. I'm not. I mean, I guess this goes against everything we just said. I was going to say I'm not good at it, but I guess <laughs> technically, yeah, I do yeah. it. You do and, it, yeah. And that is, you know, chipping into the bigger things yeah. by doing a simple thing. So that one's huge. That's what she said. Can you edit that? Okay. <laughs> please, please. Hey, if I if I just said that's what she said, then somehow Mackie took clips and put them together, and I did not say that. Is, did you do I'm that? I'm being Mac? gaslit. I am being I, I gaslit. I cannot believe you did that. I cannot believe you did that. 
Very serious. Yeah, our next episode, the topic of gaslighting. <laughs> Is, which it turns out it's not a thing. So good at gaslighting. Thank you. Anywho. I ruined the mood. I really did. We were making a very no, serious really good didn't. point. Okay. Which is kind yeah, of funny so because Humes is an amazing thing to get one out of there. Well, uh, I actually almost, when I did the trigger warning at the beginning, I almost made also a fart threw sound? in a, yeah, I was like, this feels fitting, right? No, but I almost, <laughs> I almost threw in a little disclaimer too. That was just, we are two people that deal with things with humor. Oh. So if at any point we're like laughing and making light of it, it's because it's how we cope. Yes, and we I, do. it's you, and I was raised by you, so I don't know any different. <laughs> but humor is a great thing. It's a great thing, and it helps a lot. Go laugh. Go look at funny TikToks or something. It helps. Okay, so just to um, wrap this up, I will just start to end this episode with how I ended that post that I've been referencing, and I just said, please choose to stay, choose to live, choose to hope, choose to love. It gets better, and you get stronger. You're doing so much better than you think you are, and you are more loved than you even know. There are still so many good days to live, so many lessons to learn, and so many incredible people to love and be loved by. The end. Oh, I love that. I appreciate you sharing that. And that post, I remember when you shared that, I was very grateful that you have chosen to continue to pet the dogs and to live. For real. And I encourage everyone else to do the same because it's yeah. there's good stuff out there. And it does, it really does, it gets better. And then realistically, sometimes it gets a little worse, but it always ends on getting better. Mm -hmm. So it's worth sticking around for. Yeah. And if you don't think it is, you can make it. You can, you have the ability to make the changes and create the life you want to be living, which is amazing. But yeah. Thanks, Maggie. You you got any, yeah, you got any, end us on a lighter (sighs) note. (laughs) Okay. Yes. Let me see if you can not laugh. Okay. 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 I'm going to, I'm going to do a couple uh, two line jokes and I want you to try not to laugh. Okay. My friend gave me his EpiPen as he was dying. It seemed very important to him that I have it. Nothing. I've heard that one. Okay. I have a stepladder because my real ladder left when I was a kid. That one makes me sad. Okay. Oh, these are kind of bad. Hang on. <laughs> oh, it's, I, I came up with a new word yesterday. Uh, plagiarism. Okay, that was just stupid. Oh, come on. <laughs> okay, you know this one too. This one's one, this is my favorite. Just say no to drugs. Well, if I'm talking to my drugs, I probably already said yes. Will you Classic. edit in? Will you edit in laughter? A laugh track. Come on. <laughs> okay. All right, I'll end it with this one. You know what they say about cliffhangers? <laughs> is that it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh, Mackie. <laughs> they weren't very good. They're really good. You don't know my favorite joke. Yeah. Where does the king keep his armies? In his undie. In his sleeveies. Oh gosh. Uh-huh. Okay. Wrap it up. Thanks, Mac. <laughs> See you next week. Okay. Thanks so much for um, feeling some feelings with us and talking about some heavy things. Um, we appreciate it if you've stayed this far. And yeah, just know you're doing better than you think you are. And there's hope. There's more. All the good things. Anyways. Well done, Max. See you you next week. Okay. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye.